Welcome to Talent Takeover Unfiltered. When it comes to working hard and keeping it real, we know our shit. Self-care, happiness, inner peace, and time. I'm Brianna Rooney, and this is Taylor Bradley. Hey, y'all. And we have thrived in chaos and turned it into an art form. So, Taylor, what are we doing here today? We're here to give you a raw, under-the-hood view of all things recruiting and finally give credit where credit is due to a long, underrated industry that's full of, quote-unquote, experts. All right. Well, then let's take this show to the road. Hello, hello. Welcome to Talent Takeover Unfiltered. I am extra jazz today. Taylor, Doobie, how are we doing? Doing awesome. We're doing amazing. <laughs> We're doing good. Doing good. Right. Happy to be here. Awesome. So today we have a great guest, Doobie Ben Shoham, and we are going to talk about the power of a recruiter, which I got to tell you, excites me. I can talk about it every single year. I feel like every year we need a new episode of this. So you're coming in hot with this. Um, but do tell us why why this subject? Well, I think this subject's important. Um, I think there's a lot of kind of misunderstandings of, you know, how much value recruiters add to a company. Um, you have like one side says, oh, they just need to find me people. And then the ones that you can actually partner with understand that we save money. We are, we are true uh, business partners. We help with candidate experience. I mean, the list goes on. There's just, there's just so many reasons to have this conversation today. Did you hear that, Taylor? We save money. Yeah. I don't love think that. any other company would say we save them money. I love that you touched on that. Doobie, how do we save them money? So I'll give you an example of where I currently am at Socotra. Um, I've been here almost four and a half years. And when I started, uh, they had well, had a terrible process, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> um, you know, they the companies think they need to hire, you know, recruiters. And there's two ways to save money. One is, of course, external fees. I, that can cost a lot of... Sure. Uh, two, by having like the correct tools... Um, you can save on like a headcount on your team. So like, do I need 10 recruiters? No, I can have five and a couple of amazing tools. And those tools will be, you know, a 10th of the cost of a full-time employee. And um, you, know, you can never replace the, the work of a recruiter, but there are some tasks that can't be replaced. And I think those are a couple of ways to save money. And then just having someone on staff, um, always thinking about not today's hires, but like, the next 12, 24 months hires, you know, making funnels, things like that. There's just, I mean, just endless ways to save money and, and just being smart about it. Um, I recently just got rid of some licenses because, well, we weren't really using them. So I'm yeah. like, hey, save us 18 grand. How does that sound? <laughs> it sounds great in your pocket. You're right. Yeah. I know I should, I want a percentage of all the money I save. Oh, that's not a bad idea. That is actually, I would do that for, for employees. If employees saved me money and I would give them a percentage of that. Yeah. Or have that as part of their goals. Like if one of your yeah. goals is to help find ways that they could save money on recruitment tools, I think that's probably how some companies, or I assume some companies do it now, is that if that's one of your goals and then you do that, then obviously you hit, hit your bonus. But yeah, so you said something that was interesting. I was waiting to see what Brianna said about it because you were like, not, you know, some parts can be replaced with tools and automation, not completely replacing, disclaimer, not completely replacing human beings and recruiters, but um, Brina's real big on, you know, 
automation tools can't complete they can't replace recruiters so i was curious to hear what your thoughts were when he said that brianna were you yeah. like "Ooh, i'm gonna battle him on that because she does that too <laughs> i do like to battle no no i, I want to know what tools <laughs> we might use the same tools i think we do yeah that's yeah i mean so for instance the sourcing tools right i mean that's a great one um, i have a, a sourcer on staff but he still needs a tool right so it's not like fully automated but it allows for let's like email sequencing is probably the greatest invention in foreign recruiters like ever. 100%. <laughs> right? 100%. It's a no-brainer. Thank you for that, whoever thought of it. Um, so I think we use Covey right now um, as one of our tools. And yeah, it's fantastic. Like if you have the right ATS, I'm currently been actually for the last year looking at different ATSs because we want to switch. And some of the newer ones are just amazing and they replace some of these other you know types of function functionality right um so yeah as far as the you know that particular question i'm a big believer that you cannot replace recruiters with tools or ai yeah as if i wasn't doing phone screens which i'll call them phone screens but they're way more in depth like it just wouldn't be the same kind of results that we currently for have. sure so i'm not a big person on automating that top of funnel i'd rather not even post a job and do it on my own and pick mm -hmm. and choose the people i want to talk to um so yeah i think that's again automation can help with some of the kind of operational uh, administrative tasks but can never replace what we do no chance agreed no we're we're a people business i mean i, I love when you first started like hey just go get find me some people <laughs> like Okay, well, let's walk through this. And right. I think that, and this is why I'm so excited that we're talking about this now, is it's like we've seen all of these layoffs. So, Doobie, do you think that if a recruiter sat in like a power seat at each one of these companies, and I'm talking a true power seat, I'm not, not talking about like just one of the fish in the sea, but like a true power seat, do you think that we would still have all of these layoffs at its, at like at how big everything has been? That's a really really good question so my answer to that is no um i keep pushing to get into a power seat and i'm inching my way there because i think that execs again they still don't understand the true value of what we can do when at the strategic level they get it like oh doobie you filled all my jobs thank you so much well uh, we've had an incredible track record there but to be in those meetings and be able to say well a couple of things i, I you know Let's not have multiple layoffs. Like if we're going to have to have them from a talent perspective and hiring perspective and kind of internal um, culture perspective, let's go bigger the first time and then we can like rehire. But when you have a second one, it's not good. So like, I don't know if people were talking about that in the exact meeting because I wasn't there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's one area. And then also what happens is companies get overly excited or out over their skis, I guess some people would say, um, and you overhire. Like you get, mm. let's say in our case, you get VC funding and the VC says, okay, hire a bunch of people. It's like, okay, wait, are you thinking about what could happen in a downturn? Are you thinking about what happened uh, if this thing slowed down and then, you know, that happens. So there are, there are some good reasons for layoffs. Like maybe you're pivoting a little bit and you realize like, well, I don't need 25 salespeople. My, my market's smaller i only need you know five salespeople. or my marketing team's eight i only need four i don't need bdrs i mean there, there are things that make sense and then 
I guess it's an opportunity to get rid of some low performers. We all, you know, they're always thrown in that's there. That's for sure. That, right. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and that's okay. I mean, that's just part of business, right? We're, we're hopefully in this business to make our business successful. I mean, that's how I view it. Like I'm instrumental in the success of the company I work for and I take it personal. When I'm interviewing candidates, I think, are you going to add to the value of my stock? I just, I mean, it's not just like, I'm not trying to fill a seat. And I think that's another problem is recruiters are kind of incentivized to like fill seats Mm -hmm. and get, you know, fill positions. Like that's okay, but that should be like a small part of it. Like I'd rather when, when hiring managers say, you know what? I think this person can do the job. I think we should move forward. I say, yeah, no, that's not it. That's not going to happen. No, we need to keep looking this good enough kind of in their mind because they're so desperate right managers are desperate to to fill jobs because they're doing work of three or four people they want to fill the jobs so you know you see i could keep going on going yeah it was so good i was ferociously writing taylor you go i said one of the things i was just thinking about as you were talking and some of the stuff you touched on is i'm like and i know that brian and i we've talked about this so many times and like just how people don't really value recruiting um, they don't really treat it at, like as an important and integral role in the company because they're the ones, obviously, we're bringing the talent into your organization. We're bringing the CEOs, CFOs, whoever it is, we're bringing those people that are going to those positions that you actually do feel um, change and shift and move the organization. But it starts with recruiting. And I've been thinking recently on like, you know, just some of the interviews I've gone through and stuff and just how critical it is for a recruiter to show up with enthusiasm, excitement, like they're the first point of contact. And I've had some that I'm just like, I, I don't, if this is an indication of what it's like to work at this company, because the recruiters just like, so low energy, late to the call, like, they're the first impression truly that somebody has of that company. And so if you're recruiting a CFO for an organization, and they want like the best of the best. And so you went out and found this amazing passive talent, that's just step one. That's part one and or only one part of the process. You have to be charismatic and enthusiastic and sell them on the company and be positive and be you have to basically make them think in a 30 minute to an hour long conversation like, OK, this is somebody I would want to work with. If this is what it's like to work with this company, this this you know impression I've gotten of this recruiter and how much they like the company or their energy or their enthusiasm. I mean, you're the first salesperson and the most critical salesperson like they're not going to move forward in the process if they didn't have a good experience with you. So they're not going to move forward to get to who they would report to. This, If it's a CFO, they'd report to the CEO. So they're not even going to make it to that CEO interview if the first interview with the recruiter doesn't go well. So I think that's another area where we could really shed some light on That's It's so important that you have a great recruiter and that they are giving candidates a great first impression of your company and like how that could, that's a game changer for the type of talent that you want to bring in or the caliber of talent. Taylor, that is music to my ear. I try. This is why I don't, I need to clone myself or find someone similar. Like there's something that just my life experience in general is so instrumental in my recruiting process because I can talk about so many things. Yeah. When I'm hiring exec level and just another touch on this real quick, which is we had retained firms doing our exec searches. And then I said to our CEO, Dan, you should just let me run with this because there's no way they're going to be able to talk about the company like I, they don't know the company. So now there is not a chance in the world that our company would ever hire a retained executive search firm for a C-level search because there's going to be run it. 
But to your point, when I do my first calls and depending on the um, role, it's either 30 minutes or an hour. Like I spent a lot of time and I usually start by giving candidates just a really honest rundown of, of the company, mm-hmm. like the layoffs, like the good and the bad. And it's fun and we joke. And by the end of that call, they're like, they think they already have the job. Seriously. Like yeah. it's almost that it's almost there. Like, and they can't wait to meet more people. I get emails and my, you know, we do a survey, like always the recruiting side is like a four out of four. And then you know, after okay. that, it's like, you never know. Right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I so agree with what you're saying. I think that's where companies really miss the mark when they have someone that's like, Oh, I want to be a recruiter. I have no experience. Okay, great. Here, you're a recruiter. Give it a shot. We'll track you and we'll help you. But that first call, we're the face of the company. Mm-hmm. We're the first, like you said, first impression. We're the number one salesperson. Like the VP of sales is always like, do that. I guess you on my team. Like <laughs> you basically closed 140 deals. You know, like every yeah. every candidate to me should be treated like a customer or like a prospect, right? Like what would you, would you do that? to like a you know tier one customer you're trying to land would you treat them like that would you not get back to them would you ignore their emails so it's all part of the big picture of like not just finding the candidates uh making feel good but like their overall experience throughout the process absolutely so i was actually just talking to my kids about cloning (laughs) they were terrified they're like what technology is going to exist? I'm like, I don't know. Someone's going to clone somebody. So is it just like, if you were to clone yourself, you know, so I think that our listeners would really love this. Like, yeah. what would you have in your toolbox? I mean, not even just technologies, but what like, um, just training wise, what do people have to have that we, you feel like doesn't exist often? It's um, mm. good. Great question. So if I think about how I interact with candidates, you have to, you have to make it fun and interesting. But you also have to really know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I'll interview, let's say, an engineer, and and I'll say, "What kind of questions do you have for me?" And they'll be like, "Well, they're more technical." And I'll say, "Great, let's hear them." And then and then they'll say, "Like, what is your stack?" And I'll be like, "Java, Postgres," and I like just name it off. So being prepared, I have meetings with the sales team. I have meetings with the product team. I have meetings with the engineering team. I have meetings with execs on a regular basis, like. I want to know the product and the company better than anyone. Mm-hmm. So I think like, it's not just like, how do you attract talent? It's like, how much information do you have to help attract the talent? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like sometimes I'll give you a quick fun story. I've been working on this director of marketing search. And for some reason, the last four candidates all went to SEC universities. And I know they're into college football. Mm-hmm. So... I, I just start talking to one. She was amazing. And it turns out she was actually the mascot for the Florida Gators. <laughs> well, we spent 15 minutes in our interview talking about that. I couldn't get that out of my head. I kept picturing her as a mascot. Lovely yeah. But it was so fun. So like, but like who does that? And in literally 15 minutes, we talked about college football, how it was to be a mascot. What did you, you know, how did you get that job? You know, which all of the stuff she talked about was relevant in a, you know, big picture way, like kind of understanding why she did that and, and why that. Well, the, the soft skills, yeah. you know, that we keep, you know, talking more and more about that. I don't think um, hiring managers even really process that. Like it's more of like, can you do the job? It's like, how about like, Doobie, I love this. 
are you going to increase our stock price? Like yeah. that, that, that I'm, I literally wrote down. I'm like, I, I, it's like the best thing ever. I do. I seriously think that all the time. I'm like, but like the, the soft skills is what it's going to do that in addition to like their hard skills. And so I think that that's interesting that it's like you're putting people at ease, you know, because yeah, every single people. interview is anxiety, you know, filled. Yeah. It's scary. It's like, are they going to like me? Here we are in preschool again, or <laughs> making friends, you know? But um, yeah, I think that that's so important. And that's, that's a gift. Like that, that's a gift, but it's something you can train people to understand and grasp, but it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. I have a good one. I, um, when we interview candidates, I tell you, I have like a dedicated sourcer. I basically know before my call, unless it's a terrible call that this person is going to the next step. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that case, and I don't do this every call, but like I can tell like in the first two minutes, like how we're interacting, if I can see it's going well, kind of like how we're talking right now, yeah. I'll say, I just want you to know you're already moving forward so you can relax and we're just going to have a conversation. And they're like, you could just see like, they get fresh, they fly. And then, then they just talk and then they open up and they may give me nuggets that I would never get because yeah. it is stressful. Like it's like their life is on the line there. It's a career move. Like getting jobs is hard. It's stressful. Like you want to let them make them feel kind of feel good about it. So I, totally agree it's so true like i was actually just thinking about that going back to like having just gone through some interviews recently when they were giving me really honest feedback and like as far as my candidacy and where i was at and or like you're our front runner or you're in you know the final three or like just stuff like that it's it does it's very disarming in a good way it like puts you at ease to give like okay they already feel a certain level or, or way about me you know i'm already they've already liked me to a certain extent so to speak and so I feel like it kind of disarmed me to give my real authentic, like better answers because I was less nervous, less anxious, less overthinking everything. And I was like, okay, the, the answers were authentic. My examples were better. It was, it just flowed more easily because they gave me good feedback like that, which I think I've never really been a fan or not a fan of that. I've never really advocated one way or another, but recently as seeing that experience play out, I'm like, that's a really good way to like you know, disarm the candidates, put them at ease and let them know where they stand with you and where they stand with the company. And then I think it results in a better in interview. I completely agree with what you're saying. So true. I, um, when I'm doing like the higher level search, actually really any search, mm -hmm. I'll tell a candidate that, that I know is moving forward. I say, look, I'm your advocate. So if you want to have a 10 minute check-in before your next round with the CEO or the VP of sales, like I'm available. We can do a mm -hmm. phone. We can do a Zoom. Like, you know, use me to help you. I'm here for you. Yep. And like, I don't think a lot of recruiters say that. I could be wrong, but I just well, don't think so. People don't believe it. Like, I, I, oh. I, I okay, we're, this little clip right here, we're going to blast on LinkedIn over and over <laughs> again because okay, they feel like on LinkedIn um, for like the last two weeks, we're talking about ghosting. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, it's all the time, right? Yeah. But it's like, we're like, put on this cross like we're like the worst human beings in the universe you know and it's like do you guys realize that literally our job is to cheerlead for you our job is to get you to get you with this career our job you know it's like if we we could show you our job descriptions like we're not against you we love you we yeah. have to love you we want this relationship we want to you know like we want you to have you bring our stock up oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but oh my god how do you want it oh uh, bad recruiting leadership, right? Because yes. ghosting is a result of like how their recruiting team is being 
taught to manage their jobs, I guess, right? Well, they're they're also probably not using enough technology either, or you know, so they're mm-hmm. just they're just burning the midnight oil. You know, there's only how many hours in a day, and like you know, there's burnout all over the place, and everyone's a lot leaner now. So like that kind of goes to tools, which I know is a different subject. Um, and I know we're getting close to time. Um, but so this question I have to ask, okay. you said you were inching closer to getting a real seat at the table. How would you suggest people do that? How This is the power of a recruiter. How do we get that seat? That's great. Great question. So as I mentioned earlier, I have regular check-ins weekly or bi-weekly with all of the execs and hiring managers. So another thing I do is once we get someone hired, I I check in. So I have the pulse of like almost every employee mm-hmm. in a company. So I don't just like, my job doesn't stop once we hire them. <laughs> so now those people become managers and they get promoted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so what happens in an exec meeting is, oh, we're having a layoff and this has been told to me. Yeah, there's no way we're letting Doobie go. And that's, Part of it is that like you have to insert yourself and let these hiring managers and execs know your value. And just by checking in and saying like a typical check, it would be, how's the team doing? Um, Mm -hmm. Do you foresee any changes? I'd like to get on top of that. If you think there's someone that we may have to replace or, hey, we made a sale, like how's headcount looking? Do we need to add a body? So like I'm doing things any way that are kind of around that. And now it's just a matter of, you know, get me into those meetings. So I think I'm there. Um, the next kind of round of exact offsites, and it'll, I won't be physically there, but they're going to like loop me into those conversations. So I'm having them already with execs and hiring managers, but like, you know, when they're doing their planning, they're not thinking of me. And I know they're not asking the right questions because they don't know what to ask. So right, that's what I would say is like, be more involved than just filling the job. Like it's after you fill the job, it's all the other stuff you do. Like I said, like immerse yourself in the technology. An exec will say, Doobie knows more about the product than people on my team. So like you just got to like, you know, spend the time to educate yourself within the core. Yeah. Is that your broke to boss tip? <laughs> yeah. Well, it could be one. Yeah. Like, go ahead and hit him with it. That's a good tip though, I will say. Yeah, go ahead and hit him with your broke to boss tip. All right. My broke to boss tip is to empower yourself and understand actually how much power and say you have as a recruiter. We as recruiters have interviewed thousands of people and hired probably thousands as well, especially if you've been in the business a long time. Managers, I've had a team of 20, you know, great. How many people did interview? 40, you know, so like, our experience is so much broader and use that to your advantage. Hiring managers and execs, they, they come to me first every time. They, they need my advice. So you need to kind of remember, and that's a result of like that kind of behavior. So my advice is to, you know, kind of embrace your power, realize how much you have, you know, don't be cocky about it, but, but just put yourself out there and, and, you know, meet with these execs and meet with hiring managers on a regular basis so they know your volume. That's my... That's my tip. Love it. Love that. <laughs> Love that. So basically, you are the experts. You do this well. I do this well. Like, and yeah. and and we are in this own space. I I love that. And I, you know, you own your genius. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And you're right. It's not cocky. It's just like I do this really well. Like I should do this well. I have experience. I, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I am not going to tell you how to run your engineering team, but you should in return not tell me how to run my team. 
Great. All right. Oh, we're ending on that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Tumi, thank you so much. Yes. Um, you. Listeners, thank you so much. You know, remember, we love the reviews. We love the shares. If you love this podcast, please share it, you know, throughout the TA world, recruiting world. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks y'all. Bye-bye. See you next Bye. day.